Alrighty, we are on 6b, or Vav Amod Bet, and we are on the top line, so the colon right on the top line. Amar Ravin Barav Ada Amar Yitzchak, so we had just had a teaching from this person, Ravin Barav Ada, so we're going to have another one. Kol Ragel Lavo Lebeis says, anyone who makes it regular to come to Shul, and then all of a sudden does not come one day. So this is someone that comes regularly and then does not come one day. God asks about him. Who is among you that fears God, who listens to the voice of God's servant? Somebody who went in the darkness and there is no light for him. In other words, who is among you that fears Hashem is the regular synagogue goer and one who walked in darkness by not coming to shul, it must be that that person is walking in darkness and has no light. But now we're going to qualify what that means. Now, if the person did not make it to shul because he was engaged in doing another mitzvah, no galo, then he does have light. However, if he went for something that was not a mitzvah, then he does not have light. What he is engaged in will not have blessing because it is all right if you have another mitzvah to engage in to then skip shul one day, but that is not all right if you don't have another mitzvah to engage in. And then the last part of that verse from Yeshaya from Isaiah says, Yivtach b'shem Hashem. So what we're saying is, is that the person that skipped prayer services in order to engage in something that's not a mitzvah, um, does not have light, let him trust in God, my taima. So what we're explaining now is let him trust in God, my taima. Why is it that he does not have light? Because he should have trusted in the name of God, and yet he did not. Meaning, what would have made him skip davening that day? Because he needed to engage in something else. We assume he needed to get to work early, which meant, which means he should have had more faith in God that he should have gone to daven and then gone to work, not gone to work early. So he should have had more faith in God. That's the basic idea. Um, now that we taught about missing shul, we're going to teach a little bit more about missing shul. Um, some may think that this is an advertisement uh, for uh, for Machzikei Adas. Amar Biochan, Biochan says, "B'shah shekash baruchu ba beveisakna." Says, "When Hashem comes to the shul v'lomatzba asara and does not find ten people there, miyad hu koes, he immediately becomes angry." Shenemar madua basi ve'ein ish karasi ve'ein ona. Why is it that I have come and there's no one here? I call out and there's no one to answer. Specifically, without a minion, without having ten men, you cannot answer Yehei Rabbah, there are many things that cannot be answered, and that's what is this is a reference to. Now that we are talking about the synagogue, we have uh, many different teachings from Rabbi Chelbo in the name of Rav Huna about that. So we are going to start that right now. So this is a bit of a tangent with laws of the synagogue and conduct with the synagogue. Anyone who establishes a set place for his prayers. The God of Abraham is there to help him. And when he dies, they will say about him, They will say, 
Woe is to this humble person that died. Woe is to this pious person that died. Um, somebody that was from the students of Abraham Avinu, from Abraham, the first Jew. Um, we assume that he was pious and humble because if he took prayer so seriously, we assume that he had those character traits. Now, we also call him the student of Abraham. What does that mean? Was Avram somebody that had a set place for prayer? Avram Avinu, minolon de kavamakum. So back into the Gemara. So Avram Avinu, from where do we know that he had a set place for prayer? The verse says, Avraham woke up in the morning, got up in the morning, and went to the place where he had stood. And when we just talk about standing in the Torah, it's actually a reference to praying. So you can understand this as Avram arose early in the morning and went to the place where he had prayed before God, as if to say this was not his first time having prayed in this exact place, which would seem to teach us that he had a set place for prayer. Shanemar, from where do we know then that the word standing is a reference to prayer in the Torah? Vaya'amod pinchas vayifalel, pinchas stood and prayed. So we see that that standing is a reference to prayer. We are now at the uh, colon four lines before the lines get wider. And we're going to have another teaching from Rabbi Chalbo again about the synagogue. Amr Chalbo, Amr Rav Huna, Chalbo said in the Rav Huna, Hayotzim Beis someone who leaves the shul, al yafsiya psiya gasa, should not take big steps. It shouldn't make it seem like you're excited to leave the shul. Amr Abaye, Abaye explains though, lo Amran el alamepak. This is only true when it comes to leaving the shul, that you shouldn't take big steps. Avalameel mitzvah lamerach. But to go into the shul, then it's actually a mitzvah. It's actually a wonderful thing to take big steps, to hurry in. Shinemar, as the verse says, near to fall, Hashem, we shall pursue, we shall run to gain knowledge of Hashem, of God. Um, now that we're talking about the steps that we're taking to go in and out of shul, we're going to continue on that topic um, for just a bit now. Amar B'zer, B'zer says, havina So at first, when I saw the young rabbis that would run into a study session on Shabbos, on Shabbat, Amina Kamachalyan Rabbanon Shabbata, I would say to myself, these young scholars seem to be breaking, seem, seem to be desecrating the Shabbat. Because you can't run on Shabbat. You can't take these hurried movements. But, But once I heard what Rabbi Tanchum said in the name of Rabbi Shuban Levi, what did he say? That a person should run to hear matters of Jewish law or of Torah on even on Shabbos, even on Shabbat, as the verse says, they shall go after God, as if a roaring lion is behind them. So they should really hurry to hear the word of God, to hear the Torah, to hear Jewish law. And this is true even on Shabbos. So I changed my mind and actually thought that what they were doing, running into the study session on Shabbos, what they were doing was actually praiseworthy. So I, Reb also started to do exactly the same thing. Now we are going to... Now that we started to talk about going to and running into a study session on Shabbos, we're going to have an interesting, several different, uh, very short lessons. Some of them have to do with what we just taught. And just and the lesson that we just taught about running into the study session was from Rabbi Zera. This next one is from Rabbi Zera as well. And then we get into a... Um, 
many of the very similar types of lessons, even though they're not from Rebbe Zera. So that's how we would explain the flow here. So another lesson from Rebbe Zera, and this starts off a whole genre of lessons. Amr Abzera Abzera says, Igra the Firka Rehata, the reward for coming to, going to a Torah, uh, Torah class is the running to get to it. And the basic idea is, is that at the Torah class itself, you may or may not understand everything. But the but the, So the main reward that you get for attending that class is actually the, the passion and the zeal that you had coming to it. Amr Abaye. So now a very similar type of lesson. This one's from Abaye. Igra de Chala Duchaka. The reward for sitting in a Kala, which was a... Um, twice a year before the holidays, they would have these uh, seminars, these long seminars where you come and hear Torah. And what we're saying is the reward for being there was actually the, comes from that sense of being claustrophobic, of squeezing in together with so many people, which is uncomfortable, but you're doing it for a good reason. That's where the main reward comes from. And just so you know, there's a lot, there's these, these, the next couple of lessons are actually, and the ones we just learned, they're actually used in many different ways and have a lot of very interesting meaning behind them. Um, let's go a little bit further. Amarava Rava says, Igor the Svara, the reward for having a halachic discussion, discussion about Jewish law, is the reasoning, but not so much, not just the reasoning, that's a little translation, but the mental, the mental effort that you put into it, that's where the real reward comes from. Omar of Papa of Papa says, Igor the Vetamyash Tikusa, the reward that you get from visiting um, from from making a shiva call, from visiting uh, someone that's sitting shiva, is actually from being silent. Going and being silent, that is the main point, just showing the person that you're there, that's where the main reward comes from, even if you don't say a word. And in fact you're not allowed to say a word until you're spoken to first. Omar Zusha, Omar Zusha says I'm sorry, the reward for fasting is based on the actions that you do because of the fast, right? The fasting itself isn't what's important. It's what are the actions that you're doing because of the fasting? What's it bringing you to? And the hope is that it's going to bring you to do good deeds, like giving tzedakah. So that's where the ultimate reward from fasting comes from when you give tzedakah because of it. Amr Rav Rav says, Igor the Hesped Adaluyi. The reward for eulogizing somebody is when you cry so that others cry, so that people are actually really touched by it. It's not, you know, that's really what you're trying to go for when you're uh, giving a eulogy. You want people to learn about this from, from this person's life and be touched by it. Amar Avashi, Mili, the reward that you get for going to a wedding is based on the words of joy and the way that your words bring joy to the new couple. We are now four lines down in the wide lines um, at the colon. Um, we had gone on a bit of a tangent. We were teaching the lessons of Rabbi Chelbo in the name of Rav Huna about the synagogue. We went on a tangent, and we're actually still on a bit of a tangent. So now we have a new lesson. This time it's from Rav Huna, the person that Rav Chelbo had been speaking in the name of. This one is just from Rav Huna, and it's about synagogue. So it could fit in because it's the it's a lesson from Rav Huna, who is the person that Rav Chelbo was speaking in the name of. And it's also another lesson about the synagogue, so that would be explain the flow here. Um, Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, Anyone who prays behind a synagogue is called a wicked person. Shinemar, as the verse says, That backwards do the wicked people walk. 
a reference to standing in the back, praying at the back of the synagogue. But we're going to explain what this really means. This is only true that it's a problem, that if you're wicked, if you pray at the back of a synagogue, if basically you're facing the opposite way. So everyone in the congregation faces, let's just say, east, right? So we're in Canada, everyone faces east in the synagogue. The idea here is, is that not only are you in the back of the synagogue, outside of the doors, um, but you're also facing the opposite way. You're facing west. And when you're doing that, you're basically giving off the impression that you're not praying to the same God that everyone that is inside is praying to. But as long as you're facing the same way as the congregation, then less lanba, then there's no problem. And now we're going to have a story based on this. This story seems very extreme, very wild. Um, so, uh, so you know, we'll... we'll, we'll Basically, it's um, one of those stories that is coming to teach an important lesson, um, and certainly we need elaboration, but we're just going to read it very literally right now. There was a person that was davening, that was praying behind a synagogue, so in this type of way, he was not facing the way of the congregation. Elijah the prophet passed by and saw this person praying in this inappropriate way. So Eliyahu disguised himself. Elijah disguised himself and made himself look like a merchant, a non-Jewish merchant. And Eliyahu said to him, You're standing in front of of your master as if there are two creators, meaning because you're facing the other way, you're making it seem as that there's one God that everyone else is praying to and you're praying to a different God. So you're making it seem as if there's two um, two masters. Shalaf Safsar of the Katle, so Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet, took out a sword and killed this man. Okay, now we just, we quoted a verse to teach us about how bad it is to face the wrong way in the prayer service, when, when you're davening, when you're praying, from the words, Saviv um, and that the wicked walk backwards. So the end of that verse about the wicked walking backwards is very interesting. It's Kurum Zulus Adam. The Hebrew is Kurum Zulus Adam. So it's Kurum Zulus for humankind. And the question is, what is Kurum Zulus? Those are very awkward words, even in Hebrew. What does that mean? So that's the end of that verse. Um, so what does that mean? So one of the rabbis asked Rav Bibi. Some say Rav Bibi asked Rav Nach Bar Yitzchak. My Karum Zulus of Neadam. What does it mean when it says Karum Zulus to humankind? So he explains that these are the types of things that stand at the highest places on earth uh, in the world. Of Neadam is awesome, but yet people treat them. Um, the people desecrate them. So that's what we're saying here, that uh, the prayer service is one of the highest things in the world, yet they are desecrated all the time. The prayer service is desecrated all the time by human beings, and this is one of the ways that it's desecrated, by people praying um, in this inappropriate manner, standing outside the synagogue, praying backwards. So Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi are going to explain, have a different explanation of Karum Zulus to humankind. They're going to say that the verse is actually talking, is not referring to praying in an inappropriate way. It's referring actually to um, somebody that is, somebody that has lent money 
who the the lender is uh, embarrasses the borrower. So let's see. both explain. When a person is dependent on others, the um, his face turns colors like the krum. We'll explain what the krum is. as the verse says, the person changes colors like a krum. Which will explain what that is. Zulus is um, is being embarrassed. Leave neyadam to humankind. So, in other words, a wicked lender by walking around the person that he lent money to, to kind of always remind him that he owes him money, and he does this in front of other people, then he makes the person change colors like a chrome, thereby embarrassing him in front of humankind. That's how this uh, verse will be translated according to Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar. Now, what is a chrome? My chrome. What is a chrome? He said, There's a certain type of bird in the villages by the sea that is called a krum. And when the sun shines, it changes many different colors. And that's what we're saying about this person, that his face changes colors. It gets red, whatever, white. When he's so embarrassed by the person that lends him money, we're going to teach one more teaching about someone that borrows money. Rabbi Amiv, Rabbi Asi, Rabbi both explain. Somebody that... Um, has to borrow money like this um, is actually is as if he was judged two different judgments. Eish umayim. It's as if he got the punishment of fire and water. Shenemar, as the verse says. Herkafta enosh l'roshenu. So the way this is explained according to Rebbe Ami is that God put upon this person somebody to collect money from him. Banuva eish umayim. It's as if he entered both fire and water, two different types of punishments. Now, we're finally going to go back to the next teaching of Rabbi Chalbo, um, and we're going to continue with that. Again, it has to do with prayer. A person should always be very careful with praying a mincha. Sorry, by the way, we are, I'm sorry, by the way, we are, on 6b of course still and we're straight like right in the middle of the wide lines at the colon a person should always be very careful about davening the mincha the afternoon prayer service because elijah the prophet was only answered through praying at Mincha. There's the story on Mount Carmel where Eliyahu is fighting or is has this um, this back and forth with the prophets of the Baal and each one is trying to prove whose God is true is is true and the prophets of the Baal bring a sacrifice and pray to the Baal to let a fire come down and consume the sacrifice. They are ultimately unsuccessful and Eliyahu then brings a sacrifice and prays to God and God lets sends a fire down to consume the sacrifice to prove God's um, God's truth. So we say that when Eliyahu was praying for this fire to come down, he was answered at Mincha. Shinamar, as the verse says back in the Gemara, Vayhi Ba'alosa Mincha, Vayigash Eliyahu Hanavi Vayomar, Aneni Hashem Aneni. 
is that it was at the time of the offering of the Mincha, that's when Eliyahu came and said, God, answer me, answer me. And that's when he was an answered. What is the answer me, answer me? It says that twice. Number one, he asked that please let a fire come down from heaven and consume my sacrifice. And also answer me that no one say that these that this fire that came down was actually just witchcraft and wizardry, but rather wizardry, but rather was the act of God. And now we're going to hear a bit more on this topic of the importance of the different prayer services. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, Apetilas Arvis, you also have to be very careful to pray the evening service. Shinemar, as the verse says, Tikont Filasi Ketaris set up my prayer as an incense in front of you, Masas Kapai Minchas Arev, the lifting of my palms um, as the afternoon offering, as the afternoon mincha, the afternoon flower offering. Now, the way we're going to translate this, according to Rabbi Yochanan, is Tikont Filasi Ketoris Lefanecha, place a prayer next to my incense in front of you. The last offering of the day um, was the afternoon ketoret, and if we're supposed to place a prayer next to it, um, that would be a reference to the prayer that would come right after that, which would be the evening service. And here we see God saying how important it is to uh, do so. And now we're going to do one more, um, one more along these lines. Rabbi Nachum Yitzchak, Rabbi Nachum Yitzchak says, "Aftfila Shachas." You also have to be very careful about davening in the morning prayer. Shnei as the verse says, "Hashem Boker Tishma Koli." Hashem, in the morning, hear my voice. Boker Erach Lechav Atzapeh. In the morning, I will arrange my prayers in front of you, and then I will wait to for you for you to hear them and for you to respond. So we see the importance of the morning prayer service. Now we're going to go back to another lesson of Rabbi Chalbaum. Rabbi Chalbaum, Rabbi Huna. Rabbi Chalbaum said in the name of Rabbi Huna. So now again, we're at the next colon. Um, we are at the next colon. This is closer to the, as we get closer to the end of the wide lines, the end of the page. Rabbi Chalbaum, Rabbi Huna, Rabbi Chalbaum said in the name of Rabbi Anyone that benefits from the meal of at a wedding, so anyone that goes to a wedding and enjoys themselves, benefits from it, um, but doesn't bring joy to the couple, doesn't bring joy to the bride and the groom, over Bechamisha Kolos, has transgressed the five voices. There are five wonderful celebratory voices that are promised to us that will once again, we will once again hear in Jerusalem after the destruction. And one of those voices is the voice of the joy of the bride, of the bride and the groom. And that's one of the five voices. So if we do not bring about the joy of the bride and the groom, it's as if we've transgressed all five of those voices, all five of those joyous sounds that we hope and pray we hear again in, in Jerusalem. But now we're, um, So now we're going to quote that. So, um, Shenemar, as the verse says, kol, these are the five voices. Um, voices that were promised to once again hear. Kol Sasson v'kol Simcha, the sound of joy, the sound of happiness. Kol Chasson v'kol Kala, the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride. Kol Omrim Hodu es Hashem and the voice of the uh, people saying, praise be God, master of the legions. Now we're going to ask, no, if you do bring joy to the bride and the groom, then what is your reward? Shuban Levi says, 
you merit the Torah, which was given with five different types of voices, um, that will be your reward. Now, where, what does that mean? It was given with five different sounds or voices. So the verse says, It was on the third day, in the morning. And there were sounds and lightning, the Anon Kaved Al Hahar and a heavy cloud on top of the mountain, the Kol Shofar, and a the sound of the Shofar. Um, and then it goes on to talk about that the sound of the shofar um, was chazak ma'od was very strong and it got stronger. And then God responded with a sound. So we see that there are five different sounds or voices that were there at the time of the giving of the Torah. And the reward is, therefore, that uh, if you bring joy to the bride and groom, who are one of the five voices that we mentioned earlier, you will get the Torah, which was given in five voices with five sounds. Eni, now is this really true? Back into the Gemara, is this really true that there are only five sounds at the time of the giving of the Torah? Didn't it say one more sound? Didn't it talk about one other sound? The entire people um, saw the sounds. So we answer, Osan Kolos, the Kodamatan Torah Havel. Those were actually the same sounds that we referenced earlier, the sounds of the lightning and the thunder, the sounds really of the lightning. So we referenced it earlier. It's not a new type of sound. So really there were only five sounds. Now that we're on the topic of uh, bringing joy to the bride and the groom, we're going to continue talking about that for just a moment. Rebbe Avo Amar, anyone who brings joy to the bride and the groom, Kilo Hikrif Toda, it's as if you actually brought the Toda offering, Thanksgiving offering to God. Shnemar, as the verse says, the next part of that verse that talks about the sound of joy and the sound of the bride and the sound of the groom, um, the next part of the verse says, Hashem, they bring a Toda in the house of God, so we see that there is that connection. Um, one more of these, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, It's as if, if you bring joy to a bride and the groom, it's as if you built up one of the ruins, one of the destructed ruin, destroyed ruins of the of Jerusalem. Shinemar, as the verse says, as the, as the verse says, Ki It's the end of that verse that we talked about, that talked about the, the sound of the joy and sound of the bride and the sound of the groom. Um, the end of that verse talks about, I will return the captivity, the captive of the land, as it was before, says God. So that's a reference to the ruins being rebuilt. And that is put right in discussion of the voices or the sounds. So the reward is, so it says, if you went ahead and rebuilt Jerusalem, if you bring joy to the bride and the groom. Um, another statement from Rabbi Chelbo. Um, so we're still on his lessons. Anybody who fears God, um, people will listen to what he has to say. Shanemar, as the verse says, Sof Davar. At the end of his speaking, at the end of his words, hakol nishma, everything is listened to. And then the rest, the next part of the verse says, esa elokim yura, from the one who fears God. So at the end of the one who fears God speaking, he will be listened to. Okay. Um, now the next part of that verse, it says, um, the next part of that verse speaks about that this is all of man. So basically it says, fear God, keep God's commandments, and this is all of man. What does this is all of man mean? 
My kizeh kol ha'adam. What does it mean when it says this is all of man? Amar Belazar Belazar says, Amar Kosh Baruch Hashem says, Kol ha'olam kulol nevra el bishvil zeh. The entire world was only created for this person, for the sake of this person who fears God and keeps the commandments. Rabbi Abba Barakana Amar. Rabbi Abba Kahana says that what does this mean when it says for this is all of man? Shakol zeh k'neg kol ha'olam kulol. This person is equal to the entire world. That the entire world was only created to help or to be there for this person. So the world is there just in order to help and um, be there as a... As, as kind of to serve the person that fears God and keeps God's commandments. Okay, this is the last colon on the page. These are the words, one, another lesson, Rabbi Anyone who knows that his friend will usually say hello to him, you should greet him first. And as the verse says, you shall seek peace. But that's also a reference to saying shalom, the greeting. Vidrat and you shall pursue it. So make sure that you're the first person to greet, because greeting someone brings such joy and is such a wonderful thing to do. Vim And if one person were to greet somebody and the person doesn't greet him back, Nikra Gazlan, that person that doesn't greet him back is called a Gazlan, is called a thief. Shenemar, as the verse says, You consume the vineyard. You robbed property from the poor, meaning the, poor, the, the property that you robbed from the poor is in your houses. So what, it's interesting that we refer specifically to the theft of a poor person. Um, why are we specifically talking about the theft of a poor person when we could be referring to the theft of anybody? It's as if to tell you that even the poorest of people you could still steal from. Even if they have absolutely no property to steal from, how can you steal from them? It's by taking his greeting and not responding with the greeting. So we see that uh, that's what we're talking about here. So we've had so many different lessons today. We talked a lot about the significance of the of prayer, the significance of attending the synagogue to pray, um, the prayer etiquette, synagogue etiquette, running to the synagogue, not running to the synagogue, how to pray there. Um, we spoke about... Um, the different prayer services. Then we spoke about, we briefly talked about what the ultimate reward from all these different things that we do, where does the ultimate reward come from? Um, we talked about having fear of God and what that brings you. And then we finished off, I'm sure I skipped some of the things, then we finished off with talking about how important it is to just not just greet somebody, but of course as well to greet, to return somebody's greeting. Um, Shabbat Shalom, take good care.